Hi everyone, welcome to the Weird World Podcast. I'm Dean. I'm Aaron. I'm Carrie. Today Carrie has something for us, something quite chilling, isn't it? Yes. And fascinating. It's a murder, well, I was going to say a murder mystery. It's not entirely a mystery anymore, well, but the, yeah. the, the journey there yep, is, is mysterious. Mysterious and alarming. Carrie. Dean. Go. Well, we're going to take you all the way back to June 7th, 1998. Oh, my God. A woman named Melinda Elkins had been up most of the night taking care of a sick child while her husband went out drinking with his friends. I like that. Wow. I, I think so, I applaud that. Mm-hmm. She probably wasn't super pleased with his uh, activities. You know She's doing the right thing. And so is he. And, you know, honestly, their marriage wasn't... They were going through a rocky patch. Why is that obvious? Did I say um, obviously? Yeah. Well, oh. because she's at home caring for their <laughs> sick child and he's out drinking. Uh, sounds like a sound marriage to me. Mm-mm. Well, next morning, they heard noises outside. And it was someone coming up their driveway real fast. Wait, you said they did. So he came back Running. sometime at night. Yeah. Late, late, late. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Like in a car? Yeah. Or, oh. Probably. So they hear f- loud footsteps. Well, they probably heard several cars. That, that is some quality Foley work there, by the way. I know. Way. I'm thinking of becoming a Foley <laughs> Do the car now. <laughs> what was the part and of that? And turning it on. Oh. Got oh. it. Got it. Okay, now that's a whole different car. They should have there. hired me for a quiet place, yeah. honestly. Anyway. <laughs> okay. It was the police. More than a dozen, in fact. What? Swarming all around their property. Wow. They got swatted. Yep. One deputy started asking her questions. What was her name? What was her mother's name? Bitch, you, you're in she my was, house. You tell me. <laughs> she was freaking out. And she asked them, since they were asking about her mother, you know, is my mom okay? And they said, no, ma'am. She's been murdered. M- Melinda Elkin- Elkins's mom has mm-hmm. been murdered. Okay. What? Her mother was 58-year-old. Melinda Judy Elkins. Johnson. <laughs> That'd be funny. Judy Johnson. She and her six-year-old niece, what? Brooke, were at her at the at the grandma's house at Judy's house, and they were brutally attacked by an intruder. She lived in Barberton, Ohio. Barberton. Where is that? Home of barbers. I do not know. Oh, come on. It's in Ohio. It she just said. Check it up. Yeah, it's word over. Okay. Check it up, girl. Go ahead. I'm going to check it up. Check it up. Well, Grandma Judy had been sleeping on her living room couch when she was attacked by the intruder. She was raped, stabbed, and beaten so severely that her nose, jaw, collarbone, and skull were all fractured. Her cause of death was determined to be strangulation. It is, just an aside, in Barberton, Ohio. It's just outside Akron, Ohio, Mm. which the home of tires. And it is um, south of Cleveland. If that helps anybody. If you don't know where Cleveland is, it's good for you. Cheers. Who cares? It's Ohio. Wow. My God. (laughs) Ohio is probably lovely. Beautiful state. My mom is from Ohio. From Cleveland, as a matter of fact. Oh, my goodness. Your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, she left. Mm-hmm. Brooke, what? the six-year-old, Okay, she was sleeping in her grandmother's bed. And she woke up during the attack on her grandma 
and she walked out of the bedroom. And this is her quote. I got out of bed and I went to the kitchen and I looked and I seen that there was a guy in the kitchen, but it scared me. So I ran back to the bedroom. She got back in grandma's bed and hid under the covers and tried to, you know, pretend that she was asleep. Uh, but terrible strategy. The intruder came into the bedroom and hit her in the face mm. and wow. he knocked her unconscious. So she passed out. She's six years old. Yes. What a dick. She was then beaten. She hit a six-year-old? What the what fuck? Mm-hmm. She should have gone out the window, damn it. Yeah. She was then beaten, raped, and strangled. What? Yep. Strangled? Mm-hmm. But she's alive. And suffered a small cut to her throat, but she survived. Uh, I'm pretty sure he probably left her for dead. Yeah. Yeah. And she has no memory of the attack. Good. Uh, Which is good. But of her attack, but she remembers seeing her grandma being attacked. Yes. Correct? Okay. Yeah. She regained consciousness several hours later around 7 a.m. and called a neighbor. And the neighbor didn't answer their phone, so she left a message on their answering machine. Here's that message. This is from Brooke. Yes. Okay. I think I've heard of this Six story. years old. I think I remember hearing something about a creepy message from a six-year-old. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry to tell you this, but my grandma died, and I need somebody to get my mom for me. I'm all alone. Somebody killed my grandma. Now, please, would you get a hold of me as soon as you can? Bye. Oh, my God. She's tough. Then she walked to the next-door neighbor's house. The woman who lived there, her name was Tanya Brazil, and she came to the door, and there stood before her a little girl in a nightgown, bruised and bloody. But Tanya told little Brooke that she was cooking breakfast for her children and to wait on the porch. Jesus. And then she'd drive her home. She made Brooke wait 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Yep. Are all Tanya's awful, awful human beings? Tanya Harding, Tanya Brazil. There's only two Tanyas I know, but... Oh, for two. So far, yes. Yep. So far, so not fuck a good breakfast. After okay. she fed her kids breakfast, she did drive Brooke Finished home. Finished her meth, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume unfairly and yeah. irrationally, but still, I'm yeah. going to assume that. Well, Brooke's mom said she remembers opening the door, and there was Brooke standing there covered in blood from head to toe. Oh, Lord. And trying to tell her, you know, that something was wrong with Grandma. When she asked Brooke what happened to her and where Grandma was, she told her that they had been attacked and that Grandma was stabbed laying in front of the couch dead. So Tanya never called the police? Nope. Tanya? Fuck Tanya. I think Tanya's in on it. So Brooke's father ran. They must have been fairly close. Must have lived in the same neighborhood. Because Brooke's father ran to his mother-in-law's house and found her body and called 911. So when the police interrogated her, Brooks interrogated, Brooke said that the killer looked like Uncle Clarence. And Brooke had also told Tanya, the neighbor that drove her home, that. So when Tanya took her home, she told Brooke's mother that Brooke told her it was her Uncle Clarence. It was Uncle Clarence. Not it looked like Uncle Clarence. It was Uncle Clarence. Yeah. Tanya's getting worse. Yeah. But she told the police that the killer looked like Uncle Clarence, who is her 35-year-old uncle. We already know him. He was out drinking the night before. Yes. The police assumed... Like a good husband. mm Mm-hmm. So, but the police assumed, you know, when she said he looked like Uncle Clarence, that that meant... 
she was saying it was Uncle Clarence. That's an idiotic assumption, from mm-hmm. a, especially from a kid saying that. They're going to yeah. associate it with something they know in their world, which is limited. They don't have the, you know, they don't have the capacity to differentiate uh-huh. or to make sure they need to explain. They're really bad at it. The adult should know that what that is going through that kid's head. I get called mom Especially at a cop. work. There you go. Well, and that's pretty much the extent of the investigation that the police did. There was what? no physical evidence connecting Jesus. Clarence to the crime. They had, you know, it was 1998. There was DNA testing, but it was kind of limited. It's not as good as it is now, obviously. But it did show that hairs found on Judy Johnson's body did not come from Clarence Elkins. But that didn't matter. So not only no physical evidence, negative physical evidence. Mm-hmm. In yeah. the sense that that's not his hair. We, yes. If we presume that the hair is from the attacker. Yeah. Can't have been Clarence. Yeah. I mean... Hair analysis is not awesome still. Yeah. That's... Okay. And that's not conclusive that that hair was from the killer. Either. No, exactly. But, yeah. Either way. But still. Didn't find his hair on it. You have no positive evidence and right. some suggested negative evidence. Mm-hmm. You don't tunnel vision on Clarence. Yep. But, God. So at his trial, so he was charged and brought to trial. He was charged. I mean, there's I literally no evidence, but a, a six-year-old saying he looked like Clarence, my mm-hmm. uncle Clarence. Even if that's misinterpreted as... Even as honestly misinterpreted as he was my uncle Clarence, that's still you would think not enough. Do you have an alibi? Not even close to enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, right? That would be enough stuff. to investigate the hell out of Clarence mm-hmm. and go after him, but it's not nearly enough to bring him to trial. Yeah. Well, uh, another with the, hair. the motive that they had was that some friends of Judy Johnson's had said that you know she didn't have a great relationship with her son-in-law. And that he didn't like that she was meddling in his rocky marriage to her daughter, Melinda. But the case against him He's was... He's not going to rape and murder his niece yeah. because no. he doesn't like his mother-in-law. Exactly. That's idiotic. God. Maybe to throw him off his trail. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. But so anyway... It, and I, and Aaron, you're probably going to get to it, but if he also had any kind of alibi, that would be more... Yeah, I am going to get to that. Investigators found no signs of forced entry, no fingerprints or DNA linking him to the scene. The no forced entry actually could go the way, right? Could could be she answered the phone, uh, answered the door, knew him and let him in. But Mm -hmm. the no DNA, the not his hair, the no fingerprints. So Clarence insisted he was out drinking with his friends until about 2.40 a.m. that Sunday morning. And his wife, Melinda, corroborated that. She knew with 100% certainty... That he came home and he stayed home because, as we learned at the very beginning, she was up with a sick kid most of the night. And the fact that she believed her husband and was sticking by him and supporting him caused a big problem with her family. And oh, yeah, so like the parents of Brooke yeah. thought he did it. Yes. They believed that he did it because that's what they were told. Yeah. And... You know, they were upset with her, and so they didn't talk. I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. The attack had... Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you want to believe is. your kid. No, you want to believe your kid, but your kid didn't say that. You're I want to believe my kid, but I, I, would, I would question well, the child also and try to... And, and if, if 
I would be smart enough, I like to hope, yeah. if the kid said he looked like Uncle Clarence, I'd say, well, what do you mean looked like? Not, oh, he was Uncle Clarence, case closed, let's try him. Yeah. Didn't well, Tanya lie and tell everyone that she said it, it was, was Yeah, but Tanya yeah. was the math addict neighbor that you have no reason to believe. And they as, still believe her because she's an adult over a child. Yeah. yeah. Well, it also turns out... Again, allegedly. Allegedly. By me just now with no evidence that she's a meth addict. But <laughs> yeah. Just a, just, it also turns out that the attack took place sometime between 2.30 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. Okay. Wow, that's a... Judy Johnson lives over an hour away from Clarence and Melinda. Okay. So he couldn't have been there before oh, yeah. 3.45 a.m. Yeah. And... Then that's um, assuming the wife... Melinda went to sleep or didn't see him sneak out after he got back at 2.40, right? He's back at home at 2.40. Melinda says, yes, I saw him at 2.40. I was up with a sick child. He now has less than three hours to go there and kill the kid, which is possible, but he'd have to sneak out of the house because he couldn't have done it beforehand because it's an hour away. But she was up and down in those three hours, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. So she knew that he was still there. He didn't sneak out. I'm saying. Okay. For the police to make their case, they'd have to say that he snuck out mm-hmm. sometime between 2.40 and well, well, 4.30, right? To go, if the murder was between 2.30 yes. and 5.30, to to, uh, to do the murder. Yeah. Somewhere in that less than two-hour span with her up and down. And he was also too drunk. He said he yeah. never would have been able to make that drive. Drunk as fuck. Yeah. Blame it on the alcohol. Yep. For the alibi. Who sings that? No idea. Huh. Did you make that up? Yeah. No, you didn't. None of this mattered because Clarence was convicted. Jesus. How long is this? What year did he get convicted? uh, June 10th, 1999. So about a year later. Okay. A little less than a year later. He was convicted of murder, attempted Mm -hmm. aggravated murder, two counts of rape by force or threat of force, and felonious assault. And he was sentenced to two terms of life in prison. In the courtroom during the trial, of course, it was Melinda sitting on the side of the courtroom with Clarence's family. No one else there. Her entire family on the opposite side, not talking. And uh, in fact, she was also shunned by her entire family at her mother's funeral. Yikes. Yeah, really sad. So when he was convicted, you know, he maintained his innocence, you know, throughout the whole thing. And, you know, Melinda told him, basically, this isn't over. She knew she was going to have to do something. And at her mom's funeral, she said she made a vow to her mother that she would find the real killer Mm -hmm. because she knew it wasn't her husband. So what made her so positive other than the fact, I guess, I mean, literally, is it just from the fact that she knows he was there the whole time? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, and presumably, you know, your own memory, you saw your husband at from two to 5 a.m. Yeah, but it's just, I believe in my husband. That's not always rock solid. I hope it's not just, I believe in my husband. No. It's, it's stems because didn't they get divorced or they weren't they on their way to getting divorced? They, they, it was a little bit rocky. Yeah. Okay. But. So I, that, well, but I mean, she's still, I mean, that's that evidence in his favor, though, yes, right? That because, proves she's an honest person. Yeah. And, you know, even though she's not super happy with him, what with his going out and drinking while she's watching the sick mm-hmm. child, yep. she still 
believes in him and yes. supports him because she is his witness. She's his alibi. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So she was, like I said, determined to free him. She'd already lost her job and her house. Oh. Huge legal bills. Oh, wow. You know, basically on the verge of bankruptcy. But so she decided, you know, she didn't have the money to pay anybody to do anything. So she was going to figure out how to investigate on her own, even though she had no background in doing anything. So what do you do if you have no money and you want to learn how to start investigating a murder? Start watching 48 Hours Mysteries all the time like we do. Forensic Files. Forensic Files are that. Fuck yeah. She said she started watching Forensic Files almost religiously. That's why we're, Karen and I are absolutely capable of that. We should be private detectives. Yeah, we should. We're ready to go. Yep. Mm, Carrie and Dean, yeah. <laughs> well, she ended up borrowing some money from family. I'm assuming not her yeah, sister. Not, not, yeah. What part of the family? <laughs> Maybe Clarence's family. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But she hired a private investigator and began to basically reinvestigate the crime. His name is Martin Yant. I've heard of him before, but it might just be because of this case. But he had previously assisted in the exonerations of 12 wrongfully convicted defendants. Mm. And when she contacted him and told him about the case, he he agreed that it had all the hallmarks of a wrongful conviction. Eyewitness testimony is notoriously unreliable. And the fact that the eyewitness testimony was coming from a traumatized child. And her words were twisted. didn't help. Yeah. So he agreed to take on the case. And also Melinda wanted to help. And so, you know, he would basically also then be teaching her. How to be an investigator. She said, Mm -hmm. she said she started by making a list of all the men that her mother knew. And she, uh, a long list, I think, and I'm saying, well, there was a man with a history of mental problems, a neighbor, and an acquaintance who all had a history of violence. So she was kind of. So centering on those three. Okay, so she's finding some people, the likely suspects. Yes. How is she? I'm, I'm just curious. How, do, how is? Did you read anything about how? What was she doing exactly? Talking to friends of her mom. Talking to oh no, her mother-in-law. Talking to um, wait. No, it's her mom. Her mom. Yeah. Talking to friends of her mom. Talking to people like that. Who's yeah, she, boyfriends? Because she's apparently not married. Is she having any violent any relationship with someone who turned out to be weird? Yeah, I hmm. don't know. Okay. You know, she may know she of her. these things because she. Yeah. Talk to her mom, too. Yeah, but she obviously had to... It yeah. sounds like she built additional... She got additional information yeah. from other sources. Well, and I get the gist that her mom didn't live in a great neighborhood. Uh, so one thing Melinda started... You know, she had the names of these three men with a history of violence. So she started going to the bars in her mom's neighborhood. Wow. Hoping to run into these guys Yeesh. to get a DNA sample. From like really? a discarded cigarette. So she had their parents. She knew yep. maybe where she, they hung out at local bars. Yep. In lovely Barberton. Yep. So she was hoping that, you know, she could get like a beer glass, a strand of hair, or a cigarette butt. So she had to go Your there. It's beautiful. Pluck. What? Ow, what? Nothing. She spent months. Oh my God. Going to these bars. And, you know, she'd have to have conversations with them, flirt with them. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that. They might have One of them you, could have mom. killed her mom. And presumably and are much older than she is. Raped her niece. Gross and disgusting. Yeah, who knows? Old, old guys. Old but men. she did it. It's disgusting. She I would, managed. I would have pepper sprayed someone. Just for no reason. Just to yeah, get their DNA. Yeah, just walked in immediately. Just gone like <laughs> that cop. And then, oh, and then got their tears. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good thinking. I, I 
I may have added that last part, but. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, once she got the DNA, then she realized she would need a lot of money to have it tested. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, of course, was broke. How much? Huh? Like How at much? Least $30. Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. Yant told her that they also needed to talk to Brooke and her mother, even though they weren't talking, that they might be able to, to tell Melinda and him something that they didn't know and they could try to convince them of Clarence's innocence. Do you know what year it is now? It, it, the attack occurred in 98 when Brooke was six. Is this two, three, four, five years later? How? It's about three years later. So she's not, okay. Yeah. Just curious if she's a little bit more, you know. Uh-huh. Aware. Yeah. Yes. So she knew she was going to have to talk Sentient, to her. Sentient, I think. Is she? Go ahead. She knew she was going to have to talk to her sister and Brooke. So she just showed up at her sister's house unannounced Oof. and knocked on the door. Good call. Hilarity yep. ensued. Well, her I don't s- know that. Oh, well, your sister would probably be angry even if she likes you. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. She opened the door. And at first she turned away from Melinda. And then she immediately turned right back around and she was crying and she hugged her. Oh. So it was a tearful happy reunion i mean they you know it was like nothing had ever happened and that's nice but clarence is always um, forgiven hey guys yeah. great to see you, you guys are <laughs> no. coming together but uh i'm in prison yes well brooke was home this was three years later so she was now nine and when she saw her aunt at first she was a little bit hesitant but then she ran over and hugged her and, of course, I'm sure everybody was crying. And Melinda said she couldn't talk. All she could do was tell Brooke that she loved her. And then when they finally could t- start talking, Brooke told her aunt that she wasn't so sure that it was Uncle Clarence after mm-hmm. all. She then, Later, she saw a picture of Clarence, and then she really started having doubts. She Because she said, in the picture, she realized Uncle Clarence had bl- has blue eyes, but she remembers the killer having brown eyes. So she said she believed she was wrong when she said she thought it looked like Uncle Clarence. So based on Brooks basically recanting her testimony, they their, Clarence's lawyers asked for a new trial. Well, the prosecution argued that given the family's reconciliation, they had coached uh, Brooke Jesus. into recanting her testimony. So Really? So, okay. So the family is going to forgive the murderer of their mom and rape her and attack her of their child because they had a reconciliation with his ex-wife. Well, that's, I'm I'm sure they were arguing that they convinced her. I, that's absurd. Yeah. That's that's less so than stupid. You that's, can that's, coach a child into giving you evidence because you can't coach a child into yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's also taken the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The same argument you would have rejected three years ago. Yeah. yeah. So by now it's 2002, and the judge, the same judge who presided over Elkins or Clarence's conviction, who it was. Which it should never be. That should always, because you're. I know. Because think about it, that judge is going to have to say, I, What's to some that? extent, screwed up, right? I mean, I know through their rulings and what have you mm-hmm. and during the time, they're going to have to say, I presided over. A miscarriage of justice. 
whether it's their fault or not, they're still going to have to admit yeah. to that. And that's, they're not going to do that. That's human nature. Well, and also that it was that judge's first murder trial. Yeah. So, Ego. Um, so obviously, yes, they denied the new trial. No new trial. But the court did give Melinda access to the DNA evidence that the police had because they, they had collected some like 50 pieces of evidence that could have had DNA on it. But from, they, wait, from? From the crime from scene. From the crime scene, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, she's saying, now I have DNA. And she has DNA from, from three, three different, th- th- on three her possible suspect suspects. Okay. Yeah. So they said they would give her the DNA evidence, but she was going to have to pay for it Jeez. to be tested. She raised, she held rallies. Dollars. And she did like an internet fundraising thing. And she raised forty thousand dollars. Nice. Mm-hmm. Fucking bitches. Before this is pre GoFundMe. Money, yep. money, money. And she got international attention, and you know she got a lot of probably news coverage. It would be a Netflix special. Uh huh. Yeah. So then she thought she's going to need some more help. So she went to the Ohio Innocence Project, and by now it's two thousand four. And with the help of of them, they convinced a lab in Texas to test two samples for $25,000, which is half the usual cost. So $50,000. To to test two samples of DNA. To test two samples. That's crazy. Yep. We need way more DNA testing Testing laboratories. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's insane. Yeah, there's get no, on it. There's absolutely no way the cost. Is, I can't imagine is, approaches that. I wouldn't number. think. I mean, so. I know it's sophisticated uh, technology and expensive machinery, but come on, yeah, the only flying scientists on private jets, <laughs> first class <laughs> every yeah. time. And those lab technicians aren't making. Serious no, drugs. they're not. That's not yeah. a. I mean, they're basically putting in, spinning it around, and looking at the, putting it in a computer. I probably just totally belittled the Yeah. are very smart people. But still. Yes. They're not paying those guys huge salaries, I, I bet you. Nope. But they tested traces of biological material that was recovered from Judy Johnson's body mm. and from Brooke's underwear that was found under the couch. The tests revealed the same male DNA, DNA profile, indicating that Both. it was the same man, obviously. Yeah. I mean, we knew that, but that's good confirmation and, that it was the same person who had yes. killed the grandma and yeah. attacked the girl. It also proved that it was not Clarence Elkins. Mm, mm, Did mm. not match him. The prosecutors, however, continued to insist that Elkins was guilty. I don't know why I say Elkins. like Clarence. Clarence. So then, in July 2005... It's amazing how, I mean, I know, again, it's human nature to not want to admit you're wrong, especially in this case when admitting you're wrong meant you are putting someone through a living hell Mm -hmm. in Ohio State Penitentiary. Hard time. You're ruining this person's life. But when you have proof. But but that's what I mean. Even when you have proof. These things should be, we, we need a system where the people who are, adjudicating things like like the appeal and stuff like that have just absolutely nothing whatsoever yeah. to do with the people who who presided over the who investigated or presided over the original yeah. case of yeah. course the police who put this guy in jail are not going to want to back down it's like a, it's like wisconsin and um the dude on netflix yeah his name Stephen Avery? yeah or brandon Dassey. i'm not even, yeah i'm not even sure if he did it or not but still yeah so he'll never get it. a fair shot a, a fair hearing from the people who put you in prison yeah. you can't Yep. at it. We did nothing wrong. Yeah. 
For the best. Well, so the judge, again, 2005, denied a motion for a new trial. Get a load of this ruling. He ruled that because the original verdict was based on Brooks' identification and not on DNA evidence, that this new evidence, if it had been presented to the jury, would not have changed the outcome. That so doesn't even make it's, convoluted well, sense. It's, it's saying, oh, well, we didn't rely on DNA evidence so that, to convict him, so they would have convicted him anyway. What's that skipping over the gaping hole in that is that the defense would have obviously exactly. used that DNA evidence to say my client can't be guilty. It's not his DNA, and he would have... Yeah, clearly been acquitted. Yes, quite easily. So it's just it's ridiculous. That, that's so stupid that he knows it's stupid. He knows he's wrong, right? That's an indication he's not just sort of muddle-headed and has a blind spot. He knows he's full of shit. He yeah. just is protecting his reputation, or it's just his back is up and he's a dick. Yeah, Judge, what's his name? Asshole. I don't know. Oh, you got to find his name. I'm gonna look him up. I want to uh, look him up on LinkedIn. Make sure everyone knows what his name is and that he's a monster. Yeah. And that his children should hate him. Mm-hmm. Well. I hope they don't give him a good presence for fathers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melinda went back to her investigation and she, dis- and Martin Yamp, I'm sure, is still helping her, decided to kind of focus on the neighbor who had driven Brooke home after the attack because. It was certainly weird Mm -hmm. that this woman, presumably a mother, would leave a bloody Mm. and obviously probably, I don't know, she probably didn't look super great, uh, on her porch for 30 minutes. In the face. Was that the only reason that they suspect is like, I mean, because, you know what I mean, that suspicion could have arisen when it happened, and right? Yeah. So is, is or is it just now? Or was there any other indications that she might have? I didn't. I didn't okay. see any other indications. All right. She was just going back through all of her notes and, and looking for and leads looking, of yeah, different you know, people. And she she acted very strangely. Made a wait a half hour. Didn't call the police. Uh huh. Okay. Well, she finds a, a newspaper article with the name of that neighbor, Tanya Brazil, or Brazil, and the article mentioned that Tanya's common law husband have been charged in the rape of three girls under 10 Ugh. who happened to be his own daughters. Jesus. So her husband was a big-ass red dot on a on a map, and no one next door, literally next door mm-hmm. to the victim, to the crime scene, and no one in the police department thought to, to look into that. Apparently not. And Tanya Jesus. herself was charged Correct. with child endangerment. Well, good. Well, from so this guy... So how does she still have children in her yeah. custody? Feeding them breakfast with special M. That's meth. Well, this was after that. This happened after that. Oh, it happened after that. Oh. Okay. So hopefully uh, she no longer ever has custody of any child. Well, so this guy, his name is Earl Mann. He mm. immediately went to the top of Melinda's list. Yeah. She then... Yeah. So they did test... That outfit in Texas did test the three samples she secured and found no match. In addition to no match to her ex-husband. You know what? I don't know if they did or not. It didn't okay. say. So two samples. That seems odd to Just me. That one they... mu- and one had to have been uh, Clarence. So there was one other sample. No, two to... samples from the crime scene. Oh, got it. Against? Against Clarence. And just Clarence? Not the three suspects? It didn't say that huh. they tested him against the three. Okay. I didn't read anything about that. So, as, as if if they did clear those three people, that would explain why 
Melinda went looking for other suspects yeah. and landed on Tanya's yeah. husband. So you're right. It's possible that it did. So she knew, Melinda knew that she needed to collect Earl Mann's DNA, but he was in prison. So she thought, I know, I'll write him some letters. And maybe he'll answer me back and he'll have to lick the envelope and mm. they can get DNA from his saliva on the envelope. Or she could put like a scratch and sniff kind of a thing on the paper and maybe some DNA from his fingernails. No? Nothing? No, not a thing? No. Here, clip your uh-uh. hair. <laughs> I just I'll love hair. You. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it's an obsession. Can I have some? Well, she wrote him 18 letters and got nothing back. I love hair, spit, and blood. Yeah. So she couldn't. she didn't get it that way. And then, coincidentally, he was transferred to the same prison that Clarence was in. Not only the same prison, also the same cell block. I would go get me a shiv if I was Clarence. Well, prize him in the shower. Well, so. uh, Does Clarence know anything about this? Has Melinda communicated with him at all? Yes. Has Melinda communicated that who who her suspect is? Mm -hmm. And he knows he's in the same cell block with him? Yep. So one of his attorneys actually comes up with the idea of him trying to collect something from him in prison. And she asked him if he smoked and Clarence said, yeah, he does. And so she said, you know, we might get in trouble for this, but I don't care because your life is on the line. So what's a few more years going to do to that life you, sentence? You need to try to figure out how to, if you see him discard a cigarette, grab it. So he did. He was able to do that. He he grabbed one that he threw away, and then he hid it in his Bible mm. until he could send it to his lawyer. And they tested it. Oh, actually, two days after Clarence was able to get the cigarette, Earl Mann was transferred to another prison. Uh, so he got it just in the nick of time. Yep. Damn. And... This is a movie. Yeah, this should be a movie. Yeah, I know. Lo and behold, what do you think? It was him. Earl Mann's yep. DNA profile matched the DNA profile from the crime scene. Hmm. Earl G. Mann. Did they check? Was it the police who did the DNA? Or did she have to go through private sources and pay for it again? This time I'm sure she privately. She was doing it on her own. Yeah, they weren't helping her at all. Oof. I mean, they did give her the... So you wrongfully Samples, convicted him on no evidence, and now you're not going to help clear him when, when yep. we've given you overwhelming evidence. He's not guilty. Yep. Well, Rude. Earl Mann, originally from Florida. Oh, Nothing go. good comes yep. from there. There you go. <laughs> Moved to Ohio. He had an extensive criminal record for crimes ranging from a racially motivated assault Jesus Christ. to robberies. He had three kids with Tanya, the next door neighbor to Judith Johnson and Brooke frequently played with their daughters oh my gosh, when she was over there. Access to Brooke or yeah. knew Brooke or saw Brooke. So he met, yeah. So he, he had Brooke. seen her. And in fact, he was released from prison two days before Judy and Brooke were attacked. So he may not have known Brooke then, right? Well, I don't know. If it happened in those two days, she would have had to come over a play date or something like that. Well, he could have seen her. Before, no, I mean, before he went to prison. I don't know uh, how long he was in prison. Well, it, it would be a little strange if he knew her well and she knew him well because she maybe would have recognized him. That's true. But if he saw her, you know, running around the house and, and yeah. didn't have close contact with her, yeah. that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, because Brooke and and being in prison until two days, you know, would indicate that he didn't really know her. Yeah, true. Um, So in 2005, after they identified him as a suspect, a Barberton police officer, his name Gerard Antonucci, brought to the attention of the prosecution the existence of a memo from 1999, actually four months before Clarence's trial began. Who who was Antonucci again? He's a Barberton police officer. Okay, so a, a, a good cop. Yes. He had arrested Earl Mann for an unrelated robbery. And in in the process of, of doing that arrest, Mann, who was drunk and belligerent, asked why he hadn't been arrested for the murder of Judy Johnson. And I guess the policy of the police department is the is that the arresting officer send a memo to the detectives working on the Johnson murder. And that statement in that memo was never released to the defense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's illegal. Mm-hmm. And then after Mann was identified with the DNA, Tanya admitted that he had returned home in the early morning hours of the day Judy was killed uh-huh. with deep scratches on his back. And, and, and going back to the, the police... In all likelihood, it seems, hiding that internal memo because it was exculpatory in favor of the defense. Yeah. That implies malice aforethought, doesn't it? A little bit, or at least... It does. And maybe it doesn't imply that they, quote-unquote, knew he was innocent, but it it certainly implies... They knew someone that they else knew, was guilty. That, no, not even that. They, they, they knew their, their case wasn't as strong, right? I'm sure police do that, let's be honest. Where yeah. you do, you, you know and you really think that he's guilty, and it's like... This is just going to muddy the waters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is despicable, but uh, that's one interpretation. Yeah. The other interpretation is that they knew full is, well he was innocent. Yeah. Which, you know, why one, not? Yeah, why not go after the low-life criminal yeah. who just got out of prison? I don't know. That yeah. would have been an easier conviction, because they are Because think. they tunneled. It's, we've talked about this before, I think, is yeah. the tunnel vision. Yeah. The first thing they heard was that he was Uncle Clarence because that dumb ho Tanya said Tanya. so. They immediately glommed on to Clarence, and that uh-huh. was it. She Nothing be else convicted. was going to. Well, she, now we know that Tanya had an extra motive. Yes, she did for saying. Yeah, we've have we talked about this? I, I, it seemed I know police couldn't afford this, but maybe on the state level, there should be almost devil's advocates on any capital case. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to be any case, but let's say at least capital cases where you know they are internally taking a look and saying have you thought about you know trying to poke yeah. holes in it so you can battle internally that group think or yeah. vision that seems to be so prevalent yeah in you and i work. have talked about that yeah yeah well we can do, do it we'll fall yeah yeah i know carrie and dean fucking <laughs> up your shit um, no, just trying to get the right person i know well, when Tanya, asked, when Tanya asked Earl about the scratches on his back, he claimed he had been with a wild woman. Jesus H. Gross. She also said... <laughs> what? Gross. Well, I, I just assume he's gross. Yeah, I'm I sure he is. look up any pictures. But. Carrie, Carrie, Barberton, Ohio. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, hey, our, our listeners there in Barberton, Ohio, shout out to you, lovely town. Thanks for listening. So anyway, uh, she said that when Brooke knocked on the door... That morning, he was in the house, and he oh. got real mad. And, oh, so and he uh, told Tanya not to let her in and don't call the police. So that's that explains the half hour. Mm-hmm. And the half hour is like her, like maybe arguing. Yeah, and what the fuck should we do? Probably even hatching a plan. Yeah, maybe. 
hoping she'd go away. If she doesn't go away, it's like, okay, what do we do? Okay, well, she said he looked like, I'll, I'll quiz her. And so when she says he looked like Michael Clarence, I tell the police, I, Tanya, tell the police, she told me he was Uncle Clarence. Yeah. Not my disgusting I don't, I don't know. husband. I didn't read any thing about him and Tanya coming up with any kind of plan I mean, or anything. No, well, well he it, and it, Tanya know. It could so. also be, she could be a battered woman, right? True. She lives but, with this violent criminal and, you know, he could have been threatening her in those 30 that's minutes. That's possible. So. But her name's Tanya. <laughs> so. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. So Melinda, so, wait a second. I don't know what this means. I'm going to have to cut <laughs> Let's this Let's keep this in. We have to keep this in. Staying here. <laughs> no, like, what, what, what the fuck? I can't even read this, this and it's typed. I'm right. Jesus. Yeah, I don't need to say that. Shit. Okay. We're so keeping that in. <clears throat> no, we're not. Staying yeah. Who's in charge of the... Damn it. Me now. So anyway. Keeping that in too. No. Right there. I don't want to repeat myself because I know how much you hate that. <laughs> okay. So, despite the new DNA evidence actually identifying Earl Mann as the killer of Judy and the rapist of Brooke, yeah. the prosecution still refused to agree to Clarence's release. So that's the district attorney now, right? The same, yes. presumably, it's only been three years, the same district attorney who convicted Clarence. No, it's oh. 2005 now. Oh, 2005 mm-hmm. now. So, well, it still could be. DAs hang around for quite some time. Oh, sometimes. sure, yeah. It probably is, actually, yes. especially in somewhat more rural areas. Mm-hmm. They tend to be, stick around for forever. Yep. So, they kind of appealed to the Ohio Attorney General, Jim Petro. Even though he had no direct authority over the case, he couldn't order them to do anything. He got all of their evidence and he conducted like a six week long review of everything. So he took it very seriously. And then he held a press conference to put pressure on the local prosecutor to dismiss the charges. He was a good guy and he wanted justice to yeah, be served he was the uh republican attorney general for ohio mm-hmm. uh he tried to run for governor in 2006 and lost in the primary to a piece of shit named clan ken blackwell who was a voter suppressing uh dog shit lowlife darn it jim petro yeah well what's he doing now i don't know go ahead so anyway, after they did another round of DNA testing to confirm. Oh, Mann's he's on the guilt. Ohio Board of Regents, whatever that is. Huh. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. They did another round of DNA testing to confirm that it was man's DNA. And Clarence Elkins was released on December 15th, 2005. Then in Yay. September 2006, Clarence filed for divorce. Oh. Their marriage just... It turns out I don't like you that much. I, I don't want you to go back to prison, but you, you, you can't stay here, but you, gotta, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. No, I didn't write down details about what happened, but it was more a case of like so much had changed and you know she had put so much effort into in, the investigation and trying to get him exonerated. It was like she wasn't really even his wife anymore. Yeah, and really. Yeah, and it was, I don't think there was anything, I don't think it was nasty or heated. I, it sounds like it was very amicable. And, you know, she's even said, like, 
how bad she feels that the way it looks to the public, how come they couldn't have held their marriage together given everything that they went through and everything she went through for him. But so anyway, I think they're fine. On June 29th, 2007, Earl Mann was indicted for the rape of Brooke and for the rape and murder of Judith Johnson. I want to know why the epic took so long. Yeah. How, what year is it? 2000. June 29th, 2007. Wow. I know. Seriously. Then in August 2008, in order to avoid the death penalty, he pled guilty. You know, another thing that strikes me, and we should have said this, is one of the things that is a massive motivation for not allowing appeals and not and not admitting that you did something wrong is financial right he's almost he's going to sue the state or who's or, or oh, the sure. county, whatever uh-huh. for millions so when you admit it mm-hmm. you've essentially said you know you, you've strengthened his his legal yes. case tremendously his and i know that that we've seen this on datelines and stuff before yeah. but but there's some legal semantic mumbo jumbo that they do when they do Oh. release people yeah. who have been exonerated in order to not have to pay them. Because, yeah. you know, some states have like a restitution thing But I, I that's also, automatic. Do you know if between 2005, when he was released in 2007, when Mann was indicted, was there a legal uh, uh, case by Elkins against the state or county or whatever? Yeah, and I'll get to that. Okay, but the reason I ask that is, is was it settled before they, before they indicted Mann? Um, if so, that would be a strong reason of why they're waiting so long, right? Because indicting man is even stronger but, admission that you were wrong. Yes. And, okay. But the answer to that is no. Oh, huh. Okay. So, so to avoid the death penalty, he pled guilty to aggravated murder, attempted murder, aggravated burglary, and rape, and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He won't be eligible for parole until he's 92. And I'm going to answer my own question of why it took so long well, for them to indict first. him. Ask it again. Why it took so long for them to indict him. He was already in prison. Uh, and they knew he wasn't going it. anywhere. He was okay. in prison and they knew they had him yeah. in custody until 2009. Okay. For the rape of his daughter. Still, you'd like to, I guess, you want to really button up the case and yeah. make sure it's rock solid before you do it. But yeah. otherwise, you don't want to wait because of the speedy trial clause and also because of who knows what if your main witness dies. I guess he didn't really need witnesses Mm-mm, anymore. Because it was all DNA. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, Never like, mind. yeah, I mean, Brooke may or may not have testified. I don't know. By the way, Aaron but, has been crocheting this entire mm-hmm. time. Just so FYI, listeners. So I had to count. In November 2010, the city of Barberton agreed to settle a lawsuit brought against four police officers who were involved in the investigation and for not disclosing Earl Mann's incriminating statement during his uh, 1999 yeah, yeah, arrest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They settled for $5.25 million. Wow. See, then the, the horrible thing about that, I hate it, is because now this, the taxpayers, the innocent taxpayers mm-hmm. in the city of Barberton are screwed because you have, yep. in this case, four terrible, incompetent police yep. officers in this case. It's a town of 26,000 people in 2010. It, yeah. it can't afford $5 million bucks. Nope. I don't know how they did it. bankrupt them, I would think. Well, wow. and the state of Ohio separately paid Elkins $1,075,000 in compensation. So I don't know if that, the way that's worded leads me to believe they have like some sort of automatic restitution oh. thing. Yeah. It didn't make it sound like it was a lawsuit settlement. So Melinda 
Elkins was instrumental in getting Ohio to pass a bill known as post-conviction DNA law. And this bill contains provisions for DNA testing post-conviction using outcome determinative guidelines. That was the extent of the description. I'm assuming what it means is if you have DNA, if you find absolute DNA evidence that exonerates somebody, the judge can't just deny. Yeah. They just can't say no new trial. I wonder what the um, other types of evidence that would be. Yeah, that would be strong enough besides DNA. DNA yeah. is a clear one, but what if it's a well, this eyewitness law, recanting or, or second, another eyewitness saying something or a new alibi or something like that? Yeah, well, this law is specifically it's post-conviction DNA law. Oh, okay. So it only oh, addresses it. the DNA okay. issue. Yeah, because I could see the others not being as clear-cut. Um, almost nothing yeah. is. As yeah. clear, really. No, I know. For sure nothing is as clear-cut as DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. I don't even believe... Um, Fingerprints. Well. Clear-cut photographs. Yeah. It's called Photoshop. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. even stickier now, too. So anyway, she... It it looks like both Melinda and Clarence have... I mean, this has obviously changed their lives, but it's kind of changed the direction that their lives have, have gone in. She is the chair of the board of directors for Ohioans to stop executions. And she's a public speaker and a victim advocate. And so, I mean, this is what she does now. She fights for justice and raise awareness of wrongful convictions. Clarence Elkins was instrumental in getting Ohio to pass Senate bill 77, also known as Ohio's innocence protection act. And this bill Contains provisions requiring the police to follow best practices for eyewitness identifications, incentives for the videotaping of interrogations, and requires that DNA be preserved in homicide and sexual assault cases, among other things. So he also is a public speaker about his case and wrongful convictions in general at universities and other venues Hmm. across the country. And all it took was seven years in hell. Yes. He and his new wife, Molly, have also established a scholarship at the University of Cincinnati College of Law. Oh. I bet the uh, Melinda's family feels... How did Melinda... In 2005, when he was exonerated, or really even before oh, that, yeah, when... Shit. I mean, did, I know they had when made the up by then, but in. for three years of hating her, for, for yeah. uh, giving her the cold shoulder at her mom's funeral, did I... Uh, they feel they like shit. Oh, I'm... Well, I did read some more stuff. You know who feels really bad is Brooke. Brooke. Yeah. Well, she, she feels shouldn't. she feels like it's all her fault. Mm, and yeah. it's not your fault, Brooke. <laughs> it's not. And <laughs> and that's what Uncle Clarence tells her too. He does he he's he's angry, but he's not angry at her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know he's fucking Tanya. He's oh, tried yeah. to tell her Tanya a million ways that he can mm-hmm. but she still feels guilty. It's systemic really sad. Uh, bad policing. Yeah. 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 And it's 100% not This is amazing how many cases. Almost every case where there is a miscarriage of justice, you can trace it back to tunnel vision, to settling on someone at the outset as the likely suspect, and you just you funnel all evidence through that prism from the rest yeah. of the investigation, and almost nothing can deter you. It's not like in Law and Order where they bing back and forth and go, you know, you, you, they settle on one person and they... 
are relentless on that one person where they're guilty or innocent. Yeah, but it's I'm not just, saying it's common on yeah. in care in those rare instances of miscarriage of justice. And let's be honest, there uh, we hear about them, but that's a, a non-representative sample. Uh, mis- overt miscarriage miscarriages of justice like this are rare. Otherwise, we we would have endless amount number of cases. But in those rare cases, I swear it just seems like it's always yeah usually tunnel vision. Yeah. I was going to say something. Oh, sorry. I forgot what it was. No, that's okay. No, I what it was. <laughs> Not okay. Well, but it, also it's weird. Okay, so so that's the police, right? That's yes. the detectives and the investigation. Yeah. You'd think the prosecution would go, you know, I could poke yeah. a million holes in this. What about this? What about that? And they're then, supposed to, but they then, also want a conviction. But I know there's so many layers where they should be checks and balances be on like, each there's other. There's no way I can get a conviction for you. Yeah. You think, but again, it's like... And then the judge going should back be to the... Yeah. TV, whereas Law and & Order and, the, def- and the, de- the attorneys, right, the DA and the police are kind of at odds with yeah. one another. It's like, get me more evidence. You know, in reality, I imagine... It's much more common that they're on the same team, yeah. And they just want to once. And if the police infect the others in, say, the DA's office or their higher ups with, we know yeah. who did it. Here, here's the evidence. Then they're on the same team now. Okay, give me more evidence. We'll put this guy away. You know what we should do for one of these episodes? I know we're not a true crime podcast, but we should interview some high-ranking law enforcement officers that we know if they'd be willing to tell us about thing. how these things work. But and so along that same vein, I'm going to plug a podcast, Small Town Dicks. (laughs) They because because they have talked about this. They might want to rethink that name. It's hard not to laugh. Well, there's a little bit of obvious yeah humor in that. I mean, it's not a humorous podcast because they tell stories. It's true crime stories told by the actual detectives okay. who worked on the cases. Yeah, and, and again, I don't want to sound like... I'm sure I, these tunnel vision cases, I'm, I sound like I'm just totally bagging on, on cops and detectives. I'm sure the vast majority don't do that. But well, but they have do, talked about... Problem. They have talked about that process and the fact that, you know, they thought they were constructing this great case and they would give it, present everything to the prosecution and the prosecution said, I can't. I can't file charges with that. You need more. So, well, I mean, those are... That's how it should work. People actually out Al- there doing it. That, although, yeah. I'm sure there's the opposite flip of the coin. It where depends the on where you are. doesn't yeah. want... Has an 85% likelihood of convicting. It's like, nope, I'm not going to risk my record. I got to have a re-election. Give me 99.9 kind of a thing. And they don't prosecute actually guilty people out of kind of... Uh, yeah. Accounts, not wanting a loss. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you talked about the movie deal. This should be a movie. Oh, my gosh. What do you know? It is. Just Mel- don't say Lifetime or Hallmark. No, Melinda has sold her story to <sighs> an actual movie producer and screenwriter. And the script is in development. I'm available to uh, Dr. Dr. The Six Skip a little bit if you want. Uh, and in two th- have you ever heard of David Massar? M A S S A R. No, he's so. the producer screenwriter. And then in 2009, a documentary about the case was released. It's called Conviction: The True Story of Clarence Elkins. Hmm. Conviction Smiction. Truth Smoosh. How one yep. man. Oh, and then I forgot to look up the other interesting little factoid about this case. What was that? If you've listened to our episode number. Uh, 116, maybe? Mm-hmm. The Georgia Tan. Okay. The world's most prolific 
kidnapper case mm-hmm. where she was selling babies. Woo! Um, it's not exactly a and connection to that, but I, it might have been. Was it? Yeah, it might have been. It turns out that Melinda Elkins was adopted, and I put adoption in air quotes because she was actually sold mm. to her parents. She's what is known as a Hicks baby because Dr. Hicks in back in the day was Texas. I I think it was in Texas, but I don't, like I said, I forgot to look up the details. She was one of the babies who was sold to her parents. Yeah. That doctor wasn't like Georgia Tan. He wasn't kidnapping babies and, and doing bad things. He wasn't stealing babies from women to sell them. He was helping young unwed mothers who either wanted an illegal abortion, which he would do or help them give birth. And then he was full service. Yes. What you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a, another case for another podcast, but that was kind of interesting. (laughs) I thought, I thought so too. Yep. Hmm. That's that's it. it. Our shots in the dark. I think ironically, Karen, Clarence Elkins actually did it. He's guilty. Yeah. Oh God. uh, Yeah. It's awful. We told you, we warned you. At the head, listeners. But it has a happy ending. It does have a happy ending. But like I said, so technically, I mean, I can't. It's beyond my scope of imagination. If I know, in a, in a state penitentiary. Well, but how lucky is Clarence that he had Melinda? Yeah, I know. Yeah, because Jesus without her, because he'll be in there. He, he would have be moved on. Or he'd be dead by now. A week. But he would have been one of those people who is, Child. you know, in prison for you know twenty, thirty years before. If he was black, yeah. he'd he would be wouldn't be out yet. And nobody else was investigating his case. Probably. Yeah, he's, they're white. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. Well, interesting story. Interesting. Uh, happy ending, but, but a rough trip to get there. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Carrie. Why Welcome, Dean. Tell them where they can find us. Weird World Podcast on Instagram and Patreon and Gmail and Weird World Pod on Twitter. And? And give us five stars please and a nice friendly review on itunes very appreciated yeah thank you for listening next week please join us for another well you know what let's lighten it up we'll lighten it up next week i don't know what but lighten it up okay okay remember i said this (laughs) we're planning (laughs) yeah i will have forgotten all right see you later bye everybody thank you for listening